Hey guys, it's Pete. Just wanted to let you know that my second book, Frankenstein's Soul's Echo, is now available. It continues the adventure from Frankenstein to Life Beyond, which is a direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic novel. Both Frankenstein Life Beyond and Frankenstein Souls Echo are available as ebooks on Amazon, iBookstore, Barnes and Noble, Cabo, and of course from EnceladusLiterary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. <laughs> we give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. Don't tell me my business, boy. Just checking the luggage. Somebody ought to clean these windows. There is a tremendous buildup of cook all over them. Look at that. With your host, Pete. Our very own and beloved leader, a man who needs no introduction. Thank you very much, Sammy. Thank you. Uh, I couldn't wait. Uh, it was a very nice introduction, and I am very thrilled and proud to be here today. It's been a wonderful ceremony so far. Here on behalf of our own, Fred, the Dorf Dorfman. And Greg. Where am I? You're in the records room. The records room? Oh, I'm fine. Can I get you something? Uh, yeah, do you have the Beatles' White Album? And we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. I'm going to need some pliers and uh, a set of 30-weight ball bearings. What? Hey, yeah. Uh, tell you what, uh, i got to go to my truck. If Fred gets here before I'm back, you can tell him to start without me. What the hell you need ball bearings for? Oh, come on, guys. It's so simple. Maybe you need a refresher course. Hey, it's all ball bearings nowadays. Oh, fantastic. Was that Mr. Bombastic? <laughs> it could have been. <laughs> well, then that's how our episode of Fletch begins. So oh, That's unfortunate, as usual. <laughs> so, Fletch, A. Eh? Start your synthesized keyboards now. Of course, I won't play that. I will play uh, Get Out of Town. That's, uh, <laughs> the other classic. That's fantastic. And I already forget the name of the guy who did that song because he was somebody. Um, I wouldn't have a prayer for uh, a name up on that one. He did another. Uh, damn you, Google, for being so present that I have to look up now what this guy did because I know he was kind of sort of somebody. This guy was a. Somebody. Let's see. Get who did out things. of town song. Fletch. There we go, Google. You already Dan Hartman. I was gonna say, please edit this out. <laughs> no way. No way. <laughs> But Dan Hartman had another song, and by gum, I'm going to find out what Dan Hartman did. Welcome to the Dan Hartman episode of Hindsight is 2020. I can dream about you. There you go. Dan Hartman. I knew he had a one-hit wonder in the 80s. I will, I will immediately play. regret the decision to ask this, but what was that in? It wasn't in anything. It was like a one-hit wonder. Oh, okay. Well, I... I don't know. I, That's why I, 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 I like knew the name up in a couple meant of movies and then disappeared. No, I knew the name meant something for uh, for 
pop music in the eighties that was more than just the random Fletch song. So, but Fletch, yeah, nineteen eighty-five. Oh, the height of the Chevy and the Chase. Spies like us, baby. That's right. Well, Spies like us actually started a quick downward spiral because this was like. Coming off vacation and European vacation was the same year, and then I thought Fletch that was the next year. Well, this was eighty five, and European vacation was eighty five. Oh, I thought that was eighty six. The first vacation was eighty three, and Spies Like Us was eighty six. So you're basically saying we had a good three year run with the guy? No, because he had his other movies in the late seventies and early eighties. I mean, he did a couple movies with Goldie Hawn and. Um, Caddyshack, and oh yeah, okay. So you know he had his. Run. I'll give you a mulligan on Caddyshack, and not Ra- Razor's Edge was the Bill Murray fan. I can't remember what the there was one that was. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen that movie. Well, that was Bill Murray. I'm trying to think. There was a Chevy Chase one that was semi-serious in the late '70s, early '80s. But oh well, look it up on IMDb, people, because we're here to talk about Fletch, a hmm. story based off of novels by insert dude's name here. It's got prequel it's mcdonald um yeah. it's got prequels and sequels gregory mcdonald yes. there we go and so how could i forget that hmm. but uh cuz my my first name is mcdonald so he did uh books yes about let's, let's count them Fletch in 74, Confess Fletch in 76, Fletch's Fortune in 78, Fletch and the Widow Bradley Bradley in 1981, Fletch's Moxie in 82, Fletch and the Man Who, 1983, Uh, some word that I don't know how to pronounce, Fletch 84, Fletch 1, 85, Fletch 2, 86, Son of Fletch, 93, and Fletch Reflected, 94, and that was it. Right on. Well, he was... I know that the character of Fletch in the books, I don't know a whole lot about because I never read them, but I read about them. And I know that the character was not the Chevy Chase on-screen character. That the on-screen character we got was Chevy Chase putting his stamp on the material wholeheartedly. (laughs) Do Do you know who we could have had in the role instead of Chevy Chase? Oh, by gum. Please tell me. Was it Christopher Walken? (laughs) Oh, not even close. Oh, okay. You got Mick Jagger. All right. Well. Or or Burt Reynolds. (laughs) I think Burt was kind of up for everything at that point. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I'm a a wisecracking detective. (laughs) Go ahead and uh, put it on the uh, Underhill's bill. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. (laughs) But the, the character was... Was a wisecracker, but he was not a sarcastic wit kind of... He was not Chevy Chase, basically. It was Chevy <laughs> doing Chevy, whereas the the character was an actual hard-hitting reporter who got in to see the underbellies of, of things and got involved, did undercover work, and, you know, would make jokes and things, but he did it more in a James Bond kind of way, where he'd get away, and on driving away, he'd have that, oh, see you later, kind of quip thing whatever as he you know because obviously the greatest quip in the world is see you later 
<laughs> That'll tell him right there. Oh, see well, you later. Well, according to Jack Frost, too. Well, see you later. <laughs> or, or, or old Mr. Microphone commercials. Hey, we'll pick you up later. Woo! <laughs> but uh, a lot of Chevy, but it was one of those films I've talked about at nauseum. 1985, saw it in the theater, Fletch, and uh, quite funny, Fletch Lives, came out four years later, was sort of kind of funny. Not yeah, it came out in uh, 89, so four years after this one, and unlike this movie, which was based heavily on the book, um, the first book, which I guess won an Edgar Award uh, which is a prestigious mystery award that they give. Uh, yeah, unlike uh, that first movie, the second one was, for whatever reason, not based at all, even though I read off that great big list of materials that they could have drawn off of. They said, eh, you know what, we'll just do this by ourselves. And it so sounds like half the titles... made up the script from scratch and... Yeah, and half the titles that you said in there of the book sounds like they took two or three of them a piece and would merge them together to make each movie. Well, I guess surprisingly, from what I was reading, uh, the the what you were just kind of building off of what you were just saying, the character of Fletch was kind of updated to fit Chevy Chase, but the plot points and uh, basic story is taken almost verbatim out of that seventy four book. Um, Which then, is why it seems so bipolar almost when you watch it now, where it's like, hey, I'm Chevy Chase and this is Jokey. And now we're hanging with George Went on the beach as we deal with drug trades and murder for some reason. And why wouldn't you want to hang out with George Went? <laughs> Would you beach? like to hang out on a beach with George Went and <laughs> eat beans? <laughs> Do you think Gummy should eat some beans with George Went? <laughs> Do you like having Gummy eat beans while watching George Went on a beach? Go check your Animaniac sources, folks. Uh-huh. So, yeah, uh, this was funny. <laughs> the second movie was, oh, was funny. Second, the second movie was funny. And uh, I know for years and years, at the end of the 90s, beginning of the aughts, there was a lot of talk about Kevin Smith writing a new Fletch movie with Jason Lee. Apparently he owned the rights to, and I forget which book off that big list that I just read, uh, but he owned the rights to one of those novels. And so that's, I think, was the impetus for what he was trying to do. Yeah, and I think he, he tried to do that. And then he tried, he was commissioned to do the screenplay for Green Hornet, which was languishing in hell forever. And I think based I on that, that movie even came out until you just and, and based on one of his stand up evening with Kevin Smith things, I'm sure I think it came out somewhere where his Green Hornet script was terrible. He knew it was terrible. He quit. And that around the same time, he gave up on trying to make a Fletch movie, too. So maybe it'll come back out there. But that's what we're here for. Should Fletch come back? Come I think. Back. Uh, yeah. I think based on my limited knowledge of what's in the books and what I can glean from the unchevyized version of the story, I think uh, this is like one of those like pop culture touchstones, not the, the not the name Fletch, but the idea behind it, where people are always like, well, it's those trashy novels of some 
dark seedy underbelly reporter who's quick-witted going into you know the the sandy heat of miami and and a throwaway 200 page novel later they're on to the next in the series kind of thing that's what yeah, it these seems books like. apparently jump all over the place both in time and location we got one in like boston we got another one in brazil we got another one in africa so he he moves around yeah, it just seems like one of those novels that somebody would pick up at a uh, like a Walgreens while they're going to the beach to read about the further adventures of Erwin M. Fletcher. Well, I guess the author himself had uh, kind of the attitude of, well, people are a lot more apt to buy a paper book or paperback book than a hardcover one, so I don't even care if these things get published in hardcover. <laughs> just put them out there, mass market. Um, and yeah, same idea. Somebody's going to the beach and they go, Oh, this would be an easy read. Well, so we're updating Fletch for the modern day then. So I say we bring, we we bring Chevy back. Oh God. I say we do the exact (laughs) opposite of the vacation series and divorce ourselves and actually do a clean reboot. All right. So we're, are we, are we leaving again? We don't have to take any actors with us or anything like that but are we taking anything with us from the previous efforts at all i think just the name recognition is all that's necessary what about that muzak uh well (laughs) that could be playing on a cassette in an old car that fletch gets into at two o'clock in the morning to try and get away and then he turns the ignition on and uh, an old cassette tape wires up going get out of town get <laughs> Go north to Alaska, south to Rio. How about that, yeah. I was actually when I was because I just rewatched this uh, yesterday. It was uh, up on Netflix, and I said, "Oh, why not?" And I hadn't seen it in forever. Um, I started kicking around this question in my head, and this was one of those ones where I thought, "Well, is this?" Is this a movie that, at least for the audience that would be familiar with it, so grounded in the 80s, even though they were primarily written in the 70s and early 80s, um, is this a movie that's just so of that time that would it make sense to kind of keep it in that era? Or do we just take this character and transplant him into modern day? Or what do you do time-wise yeah, with I this? Think you, I think the answer is pretty simple. You just transplant it into modern day and adapt it for now. I think the character is set up almost to be like a James Bond type. Not in the spy genre or anything like that, but what I mean is... James Bond worked in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and 2000s because they just made the movie for what the times were when they made the movie. So you just play play the formula game with it. Yeah, I think that's what it's set up for. for. He's an undercover reporter who takes on different personas and gets down to the seedy underbelly of different things for a, a, a newspaper or a story. He could do that now for an online or a, a cable news network or something or New York times or anything like that. And it could be vaguely political, but he deals with a wry wit. So, and I don't think you, I, I think you take what Chevy chase did and merge some of that into the character because it seems like that's just what made it so successful was he turned it from more of a, 
you know, action movie wit phrase to get away to more of the sarcastic snarky that still works so well today that somebody like Jason Lee probably would have worked pretty well doing his own spin on it. Then again, you could just do somebody who's completely different with their own totally different spin on it and make it more serious with the the comedic edge. But I, I think uh, there's so much of that out there that you could really err more on the side of comedy than the dark side. Well, that's one of the complaints, though, that a lot of people had about the second movie in particular. They just said, you know what? Uh, there's an awful lot of just goofiness in this movie, but kind of the cleverness of the plot of the first one just didn't come along for the ride in the second one. Yeah. You just adapt the novels and just straight up adapt the novels and he's snarky and goofy and, and whatever, but he still gets the job done and he's serious about the job he's doing. So don't make it a yuck, yuck riot where he goes and hangs out with the Ku Klux Klan members outside the house. Because that doesn't solve anything. That was <laughs> oh, just a God, jokey part from Clutch scene with the guy from Salem's Lot. You know, why not? But yeah, I, it, all, it I, all I remember about that first one is he's in, in jail at some point early on. There's a televangelist. That's the second some, one. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm talking about the second one. Uh, some lady gets murdered. He's wandering around the televangelist place. I think somewhere in there we have toxic waste. That's like all I remember about that movie. Well, the basic premise of the second one was uh, Fletch lives for you folks out there in 1989. But he inherited like something from his aunt. Oh, that's right. That's he, how he, he inherited like an old plantation from his aunt. It starts out like a Scooby-Doo plot. Yeah, and he was just supposed <laughs> to sign off to sell to uh, Arlie Ermey's crazy uh, preacher character. Oh, yeah, okay. And so, and so, and so, but instead of immediately signing off, he got his editor from the first movie, which I think was Vincent Schiavelli, but I'm not 100% sure, uh, to agree to allow him to go to wherever it was, Alabama or Georgia or Mississippi, and to actually, you know, go to the plantation, and then all of a sudden shenanigans start happening around the plantation, and he investigates further, and more shenanigans happen. So it was something that involved Fletch personally instead of him chasing down a story. A story found him. So I think that's why the first one is different from the second one, because the first one, he's just he's being the character of Fletch. He's chasing a, down a story and being Fletch. So the difference between an active versus passive character. Exactly. Gotcha. And then he goes out and finds Cleavon Little out in the shed, and they talk about Blazing Saddles for a while as they sit in toxic waste. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, I wonder why I forgot this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was like Cleavon Little's last role, too. (laughs) He died of cancer or something. But I, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much we could talk about it without doing actual in depth on the actual story beats of the movie, but it's pretty plain and and clear cut. It's Chevy Chase doing a whole lot of riffs in the first movie. And then, you know, you you go suddenly into serious land with the (laughs) George went on the beach and, uh, 
uh, Otter from Animal House is. <laughs> we need a villain. The bad uh, guy. Otter's available. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Timothy something or not. I can't remember think of his uh, name. Uh, but uh, and then his wife, who's shown up in millions of things that Fletch ended up having a relationship with, and Gina Davis was like an assistant for some reason. Yeah, she's got like five lines in the thing. And her name was Larry, because right. that provided some comedy. And, uh... Larry? And it just... It was a tour de force of allowing Chevy to be Chevy, really. Uh, with the occasional little bits thrown in here and there. And, I mean, it just... It was what it was, and it, that that's what it was. And then they made the sequel based off of the success of the first, and... Let's have more things of Chevy being Chevy. I wonder why they, other than, uh, you know, Chevy can be a little difficult at times. Um, I wonder why they never did a third one. I I don't think the second one was too super successful. Uh, it wasn't, but that doesn't always stop, you know. Well, again, it was coming out in an era where people thought of franchises differently, but that doesn't always stop studios. I mean, if they've got... Again, a boatload of material sitting around in the form of these books that they didn't even tap. Well, uh, I'm just surprised that they went, you know what? We tried doing this on our own. We strayed, we strayed from the formula, and we paid the price. Well, here's my two guesses without researching Google. I'll research Google for Dan Hartman's name, but I won't do it for this. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you, we know where the line is. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, Chevy Chase went on to nothing but trouble. Mm-hmm. which is the grandest <laughs> experiment ever of film awfulness. And then Lots he Well, he did Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which I claim is a guilty pleasure. I realize it is not a great, good film at all, but I just still enjoy Watchable. it. And it's like one of the last John Carpenter movies he ever directed. And then he did Cops and Robertsons and Ski Patrol and all sorts of random things. Uh, so Chevy... Dipped oh, rapidly. Christmas Vacation in there somewhere, which is... Well, that was the usually... same year as Fletch Lives. That was 89. Oh, I thought it was 91. Okay. So he... I don't know years, apparently. <laughs> I, you don't... Every movie you bring up, I'm like, really? It was? You, you don't do years. I don't, I don't know years. <laughs> and so, and he somewhere in there also had the whole experiment of having the Chevy Chase talk show, which... Oh, wow. Yeah, that was... Okay, I'll throw out another year. You can tell me. 92? Somewhere in there, yeah, like 91, 92. It was the coming on the heels of Arsenio and Carson retiring. And so it's like, oh, there's a window here. What's what, like 10 episodes or something? If that. And then then it was on to the Magic Johnson show. Oh, man. Oh, Craig. (laughs) This is crazy. So I think Chevy became instantly toxic with the talk show thing because people don't realize it, but... That was actually kind of a vaguely big deal back in the day. Like, a, it was like a, like... The fact a, that it happened or the fact that it burned out the way it did? The way it bombed, I think, it was like a, it would, I guess it'd be like a Kardashian thing now on that level of people talking about. I mean, obviously we're more bifurcated and scattered all over the place with stuff now, but it's not like... You know, you have your major superstars doing things, and then you have the mid-level stuff of, well, isn't that crazy? And it was just one of those things that if you followed entertainment back in the day, it was, wow, Chevy Chase f- failed 
historically bad on that talk show. It's kind of odd when you think about this now. I mean, again, dime a dozen as far as like talk shows have gone over the years uh, and who's ended up with them. But it seems like kind of an odd move for him. Yeah, but I think that's why it was so famous is because it was just so unbelievably awful. Like there was nothing redeemable. That's why I think, and it was also like, I think it was on Fox or something, and they ordered uh, like a half full half season run, and ended up like after five episodes saying, "Uh, we're pulling the plug. This is terrible. <laughs> this is god awful." And plus, Chevy is notoriously hard to work with, so I think yes. that probably came in there somewhere too. Yeah, I think. I vaguely recall hearing people turning him down for guest spots and things like that. Yeah, and we see what happened when he was on Community here recently and left there because people yeah, that were just like, uh, we can't stand you, Chevy, and you're getting old. Go away. So getting back to Fletch, <laughs> I think that in probably uh, the second part of that, not only was Chevy becoming toxic, but I think, like you said, when Kevin Smith bought the rights, I think probably there's some smoke there about there might have been rights issues to could have been well the uh i from what i've got here in front of me apparently the author died in 2008 and i guess uh smith was trying to get this stuff off the ground more in like 05 so yeah maybe there was stuff leading up to that and who knows how things played out after uh the author passed away and what where the rights went and everything like that so well but come what may we sit here in 2015, and our mystical, magical, non-existent studio head, production head, comes to us and says, Hey! All right, you clowns! Oh, damn it, rabbit! Get out there and make a Fletch movie! <laughs> <laughs> to quote another completely random source, <laughs> inside jokes on a podcast work not at all. So, they say, Fletch, there's a property we have. Do something with it. What do we do with Fletch? Who do we cast? I think that would be the I, that biggest is key. The big question. That is the real big question. I mean, you have to avoid the Chevy Chase. You have to. You have to say we're doing Pierce Brosnan, not not Sean Connery. <laughs> I mean, you you have to. You can't. You like oh, he did his Fletch. We'll do our Fletch, and it can't be a we're doing an updated version of that 1985 movie. No, we're doing. The, today's version of Fletch. The, the well, character. I think something important to take away from that, though, and again, we'd have to actually read the books to see how successful the author was with some of this, depending on how much you want to go to the source material, but how much you, you got to get that balance between, you know, working in the little joke here and there, the quick little quip. Uh, with actually telling some kind of a mystery, telling some kind of a story to hook people in. And that was what both the novel and the movie uh, did successfully. Oh, I know. Benedict Cumberbatch and Chris Pratt. Oh. Hey! Well, we automatically will knock out Joel McHale, who the modern-day Chevy Chase. So <laughs> we can't have him. I. And I, I don't think you could say, well, just leave it up to a casting director for an unknown. I nah, this scream, Fletch, I think, screams out for some actor <laughs> right, out there I've who doesn't it. have a franchise. I've got it. What we'll do is we're going to invent a time machine. We're going to go back in time and say, hey, John Stewart, we got an idea. 
All right. We, we want we we want to transport you into the future so that we can reboot this film franchise after <laughs> a given amount of time has gone by cuz you're good with coming up with one-liners and quips. Uh, yeah, but he's a bad actor. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why that's why we need, you know, the the balance of here. the of the force of, of uh John Stewart's comedic abilities with maybe he's a better actor today or something. I don't know. Well, I haven't. Has he? I know he directed a movie last year or whatever. Has he acted in anything other than little death, parts? No. He did Death to Smoochie and that was it. That was like 12 years ago. Okay. Well, that's that's a good cabin boy place to stop. <laughs> Yeah, I think this really cries out for somebody kind of like uh, Tom Cruise in, like, the mid-90s, where he's a big enough name and he needs his franchise that he can go into, in and out of, in between other projects. He always has that steady paycheck, so to speak. He can jump into the Mission Impossible franchise. He knows that's his franchise to go to. Like Downey, he can go into Iron Man and Marvel, but he can also go do other stuff. So this Fletch is crying out for a slightly comedic actor who doesn't have that franchise yet that they can say, all right, we can make a new Fletch every about two to three to four years, and in between I can do other stuff? All right, well, let's let's do that. And um, I'm trying to think of modern like TV actors who might work, but I can't think of anybody. No, but I think part of the problem is you don't have that many, like, TV actors who do straight-up comedy. I don't I don't think and, uh, you could speak to this better than I can because it's been so long since I've watched an episode of SNL. But is there anybody on there who you would even consider tapping? Um, Maybe Jason – oh, there you go. Jason Sudeikis. He would probably be really good. He's got a lot of Chevy Chase type wit, but he's but he has a much better ability to turn it serious to where you're like, oh, he's still got a bit of a comedy edge and you could kind of laugh at him just by looking at him. But he looks like he's got a dark side (laughs) and that. that, Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'll go with it. there, There you go. You got my vote now. Okay. I vote for Jason Sudeikis to take. All over right, well, flat. we solved that one. Here's the franchise, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would work really well. I mean, because the whole horrible bosses movies uh, that that's not really gonna that's not gonna go anywhere anymore. Sorry, work. Huh? Yeah. Anybody else you can think of non SNL who might have any possibilities? That well, work? no, 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 no. It's too late now. You already got me on the Sudeikis train. Oh, okay. Well, here's here's the pendant. <laughs> he is now Fletch. I, I think that's perfect. Put Sudeikis in there, get a good writer on board, and, uh, and you can adapt the novel straight up or do like they did with Fletch Lives and just say, all right, here's the character. He is uh, an investigative reporter who goes to strange locales and gets highly involved in going undercover. Go. And come up with something. So he goes to Washington, D.C. and 
as a murder on the Capitol steps. And well, here's here's a difficulty for you in <laughs> uh, updating this and everything. Would he still work at a newspaper? Like I said, he could do like New York Times, or he could work for Huffington Post, or he's his own independent blogger type person who sells his stories to the highest bidder between like the New York Times or the Huffington Post or Salon.com or Fox News or whatever. You wouldn't want to do a horrible thing like, oh, your dad was a reporter back in the 80s for the L.A. Times. No. And he walks or anything horrible like that or there's a picture of him on the nightstand. <laughs> then you're adapting Son of Fletch. Yeah, Son of Fletch. And which that's... Apparent, apparently they got into with the books. Yeah, and that just... Personally, that sounds stupid. <laughs> there should be no need to involve Chevy. This should be a clean, clear, this is a new thing. I I, I will go back to Bond as the model. You know, the, what was the only carryover was Q, and then later years it was, uh, there's Dame Judi Dench. Oh, yeah, for some yeah, reason. Yeah, M all the way through it, and... Uh, Q and Money Penny, and that was pretty much the gang. But there's six one. Yeah, but it, I think sometimes the whole continuity thing works. Where I mean, apparently the new Vacation movie doesn't work, but the idea behind it is solid. Of well, there's Beverly D'Angelo and Chevy Chase, but for this one, it's not necessary. He did his own take. Now let's have somebody new. Let's have Jason Sudeikis do his own take of on it and tell a new story. And it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be anything major. Fletch shouldn't be a tentpole summer blockbuster. Fletch should be no. a. <laughs> it comes out in March or it comes out in January. I could, see, I could see it in like September, October, even. Yeah, September, October. Fletch comes out funny, mystery. Yeah, it's like a B level mystery, little fun romp type thing. And if they're successful and well done, like the first one, then every two or three years, instead of a Marvel movie or a DC movie, we get a new Fletch movie and go from there. Uh, would you want Fletch beyond the kind of supporting types of characters that he had at the newspaper and the originals? Would you want him to have any kind of a partner or would you want to expand the world that he's in at all? Well, Again, he never we had. We he don't never know what happened with the books. I, for all I know, they could have done something like that. But. Well, he never had a partner. I mean, he had Gina Davis back at the office, who was just kind of a, a lackey that he would call to well, look up he, microfiche he had a little information. Bit of a support system with her, though. But you know, that was basically what Siri can do for him now on on his iPhone. That's basically what she did: is he'd call her and she'd look up on microfiche what he could just Google on his phone, right? But, yeah, there's cast of characters that you could have at the office, kind of, again, like the Bond thing. You have Money Penny and M and that kind of stable thing that's planted there at home base so that he can spin off into whatever he's going to do. But he's always got that home base that is recognizable. So you have whatever newspaper, office, whatever he's working at, where he has the editor and the people he works with. But 
it's all it, it always would work better if he's just out doing his investigative undercover thing. The more we're talking, the more I'm starting to wonder whether or not this would get the go ahead to be on the big screen again or not. Or if it would just be a small screen revival. Yeah. It does sound more like it's serialized for like FX network. Yeah, doesn't it? AMC could bring Fletch in. Jason Sudeikis is Fletch. It's it even is almost sounding more like you could do it. It's episodic and it's just like a TV series or something like that. It really does. He's coming back to his home base at beginning and end of every episode and it doesn't necessarily I mean we talk our love here of serialized television but it's, this sounds more like this is just an episodic procedural almost. He just, which makes me think, oh God, USA Network will end up buying it. Hey, <laughs> up all night. Uh, have you seen Burn Notice? Well, neither have I, but it's still on the air after <laughs> ten years for some reason. Six thousand episodes later, <laughs> no one's seen Burn Notice. <laughs> I think they just forgot it was on. <laughs> just, there was a glitch in the payroll system, but uh, we fixed we the fixed glitch. So uh, they'll just, we just won't make any more episodes. They've just been re-airing up. the same couple for the last like three seasons, and nobody's noticed. I mean, you it's noticed the cheapest, <laughs> cheapest Bruce, program to put on TV that there is. Bruce Campbell looks the same age over and over again. It's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, Fletch TV show does make a hell of a lot of sense. He just goes out and does it, and maybe we go back to that old-fashioned 90s, early 90s, late 80s. Well, we'll have a two- or three-episode arc where he is un- deep undercover on something, but most of the time he can just solve it here or there and a show called Fletch. You could even set it up like the BBC Sherlock and just make it like a 90-minute episode make like three or four episodes for the season and there you go there you go there's a new model for you to do it here on this side and instead of the dark dreariness of true detective on hbo you got the fun light atmospherics of fletch with some serious angles to it well sauce has got some synthesized music work I think that is the winner right there. <laughs> Greasy haired, white button down shirt, <laughs> striped shirt, sitting in a smoky, dank, one lamp lit room with a Casio keyboard and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, watching a scroll of Fletch playing the music. That's what I imagine. Break out Pac Man and just watch that little dot run <laughs> as this music is playing in the background. And with that, bring up that music now. I think we've talked Fletch about as far as he can go, I think. Agreed. Well, get out of town, Fletch. And put it on the underhooks, but for something. Can I borrow your towel for a sec? My car just hit a water buffalo. <laughs> Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. really should change. Oh, I think you should stay the same wonderful person you are today. I mean, put the clothes on. Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. Have you ever seen a spoon that large? No, not, not since breakfast. Okay, but... Ah!